Father in heaven, thank you that we can gather together here this morning around the communion table to celebrate a risen Lord. And Father, we pray that as we have come together this morning that we would indeed hear from you, that we would indeed celebrate all that you've brought into our lives. And Lord, that you would be exalted and your glory would be made known as we worship you through word and through voices and through prayer and all those elements that we add in our services so that we can touch the heart of God. So Lord, touch our hearts this morning as we seek to serve you and to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. Nice to have you here this morning. Um, you're, in, you're in for a treat. This is, uh, is going to be a little bit of a, of a different message this morning, okay? So if, um, if, if you're into something a little bit different, we're going we're gonna to hit you with something a little bit di- different. Um, I'm going to call this, uh, for lack of a, of a better uh, you know, identifier, um, uh, State of the Union Address. Can we, can, we, can we call it that? You know, not that I'm the president, you know, but call it the State of the Union Address. Next Sunday is a year since we've gone to two services. Wow. Yeah. Like, you know, honestly, <laughs> I know. Um, it's, hard, it's hard to believe, you know. Um, so I thought it'd be really good to, you know, because as, as, as a leadership, it's really important to kind of reflect on where you've been. And, and kind of set the tone for what we're talking about in, in the next year. And, and I think there's some things you need to know about what's happened and how the church has, has responded and, and all of those kinds of things that you need to be encouraged about. You know, we're in a process. We've seen some really positive things happening. Um, so it's important for us to kind of step back, let everybody know what's happening, and, and take it from there. Um, the, the church in North America is going through an incredible uh, season, if, if I can just say that. Antagonism towards the church is probably at the highest level it's, it's ever been, you, you know. Um, antagonism uh, against God and religion, et cetera, et cetera, is really high. So that's affecting the church. Uh, couple that with the fact that attendance in church is dwindling. Now, I want to clarify that particular point because when I say attendance is dwindling in church, I'm not talking about the people that just go to church on, you know, a couple of major holidays in a year. I'm talking about the people who are committed to a particular church and are committed to going to church. That group that typically used to go to church every Sunday now don't frequent church as much because there's and there, there's a number of reasons that that we've we've looked at um, why that is happening in fact average church you you are a regular church attender nowadays if you attend church 1.7 times a month that's what's considered a regular attender so if you if you attend here three times four times i am so thankful for you Right? There are lots of churches. Let's say, you know, there are lots of churches that just because of the way people are attending, if you had 100 people in your church, right, and all of a sudden they're starting to show up three times out of four as as opposed to, 
you know, all four Sundays, that's what's that, a 20% drop in your attendance. So, you know, I'm not a mathematician, so if you want to correct me, you know, but, but that's, 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 that's the drop that happens, right? And you haven't changed anything. It's just the pattern of the way that people are attending church nowadays. It, it's, you know, uh, we, we at a staff level recognize that on any given Sunday, 30% of the church is not here. Of the people who regularly say they are, uh, you know, a part of the church, well, 30% are not here on, a, on any given Sunday for whatever reason, because life is busy. You know, there's all kinds of things and all kinds of pressures that are, that are pulling us in all kinds of different direction. And, and also, there's a mass exodus of young people from the church, Okay, that's 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 a big uh, that's a big concern about the amount of people who who reach, you know, the, the teenage years and into the early twenties who are exiting the church for for a number of reasons. Um, the other the other factor is twenty five percent of any typical congregation never give a penny to the church that they serve. Twenty five percent. So that's another tension that is happening in. The church, and uh, 80%, over 80% of every church in North, North America never breaks the 200 mark. Okay? Never breaks the 200 mark. So any, any, any church that breaks the 200 mark, you, you have to, and we talked about this uh, a year and a half ago or two years ago, and we were all talking about going to, to services. You know, we were at the, at the, at the 200 edge Right, and we couldn't go any farther unless we went to two services and, and stuff like that. So um, those are really important things. So where where are we after? How how are we doing? And and knowing all the tensions that are going on in the world, how are we doing? Well, here here's the kind of state of the union and where we are as a church. Number one, our attendance is five to twenty percent higher than last year. Okay, our 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 stated our our year to year average. If if you know 2014 we were 196 in a morning service, we are now 225 in a in a morning service. August, yeah, August last month. Uh, like it's like it's a slow incline. It's not like you know a, a radical jump in numbers. It's about you know five to you know 20 percent depending on the month. August was the only month where we were just slightly higher than the month, than the year before, uh, by about four or five people. We've had an incredibly low August this year, and last year we had an incredibly high August. All right, because we, we keep all those stats and and we, we look at all those kinds of things. So um, you know we are we are growing. I know it doesn't feel it, you know because. Um, being two services, we, you know, we kind of feel uh, segregated from the big picture, but we are growing, all right? So that's good news. Uh, here's the second one. Our offerings right now are at $101,890. Last year, they were at 78493 We were short budget in August by $68. Okay? Um, we do not... We're basically on budget, okay? We're 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 like a thousand dollars, you know, off budget or something really small. Uh, last year at this time, we we're like twenty five thousand dollars behind budget. Normally, June, July, August are killer months, right? Because people are away, and, and it's the summer. Um, but we basically met budget this summer, 
which is unheard, you know, which is really unheard of. Yeah, like, come on. Yeah, absolutely. That is really exciting. You know, um, please don't stop giving because you heard this. We are just, you know know what I mean? Sometimes this is one of those double-edged swords. Oh, they're doing great. Whoa, (laughs) I can get that iPad now. (laughs) Yeah, you know. But you know what I mean, right? We, you know, we're still, we're still going, so don't, don't stop there, okay? <laughs> Here's the thing. We have approximately 75% of our church volunteering. Listen, this is huge. When, when I talk to other ministry leaders and, and, and talk about what's happening in their church, we have a, a healthy volunteer base here at Village Green. Okay, I know we would love it to be more. I know, I know as, a, as a staff and as a leadership, we say we need people volunteering because we know, this is one thing we know. This is the, again, this is another double-edged sword. We know that volunteering is one of the best ways to grow your faith, to grow your legs in faith. The double-edged sword becomes a guy like me um, we need somebody, so I can use that as a to say you're going to grow if you volunteer. So you have to be very careful how you how you use that, right? But that's but that's the truth. The truth is 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 you grow when you are gifted in a particular area and you're utilizing your gifts in that particular area. We have a healthy volunteer base. We could always use more. I know we can always um, uh, you know have more people volunteering. But the reality is, compared to others, we're, we're, we're in better shape. We could never, never, ever have gone to two services at the size we were. Okay, I'm going to back up. It was nuts for us to have two kids' connections on a, on a Sunday morning. Many churches start with only one kid's program on a Sunday morning. We broke the rules by saying, no, both services, we're going to have kids' connection. That was, we were called crazy by so many people. Because who does that? You know what it's going to do to your volunteers? So thank you very much for those of you that volunteer. Music, you know, like worship team, AV people, sound people. Like it, it just taxed everybody to another level. But everybody pitched in and everybody got it done. So thank you very much. Absolutely appreciate that. Here's the, here's the next one. At least half are in life, life group. Um, life groups. And again, another huge statistic. And I mean at least half, right? It was, it's probably more to the 60, you know, 70%. Not all of them show up every week. Okay, let's just be clear about that. That's who signed up, right? But Again, that's a relatively healthy statistic. I'm a big, 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 big believer in sermon-based life groups. I think sermon-based life groups is the only way to have life groups in church. I, 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 seriously, I know there's times that you have different studies or you have groups that have specific needs and you, and you deal with those needs and, and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is, um, hey... Sermon-based life groups is where it's at, as far as I'm concerned. And the last thing is, believe it or not, we're in the final stages of our edition. Woo! Somebody pull out that thorn quickly, please, because, you you know, (laughs) every detour, every, we're very, very close, and, and, you know, um, 
we're going to be able to celebrate that. And there's some really neat things. If you've looked in the kitchen, you, you've seen the new exit, etc. There's a new back door. Um, lo- lots of wonderful things happen. So that's where we are. That's, that's where we are as, as, as a people. So um, I have no time left. Okay. Praise Jesus. (laughs) Our offerings will go up exponentially from there. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let's take it down a notch, okay? Um, (laughs) Do you parallel the Blue Jays? Is that? Oh, okay. Um, so, So that's where we are. But listen, we're not finished, all right? We have a year ahead of us. Uh, a new ministry year. So, so what does that mean? So how do, how do, we, how do we progress from here? What, what is it that we're going to be doing? And what can you expect from us? Okay, so I, I want to wrap this up in, in some way that's going to hopefully encourage you and get you excited about what the future has to hold and how we're, how we're moving forward as a church, okay? Um, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my default passage. There's one passage in the Bible. You know, we talk about the Great Commission. We talk about the Great Commandment. We talk, but, but, you know, the Great Commission is, you know, go into all the world and make disciples in the name of the Father. You know, and, and, and we take that as marching orders of the church. But what are the mechanics behind it? Like, like how, do you, how, how do you do that? How do you go into the world? What, what, what is it as a church that you activate and what motivates you and all that kind of stuff? And, and I have a default passage that I fall to every time. And it's from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9. And if there's anybody who was, you know, a world-class church planter, it's the Apostle Paul. All right? So he, he talks about this in 1 Corinthians 9. This is, this is his modus operandi when it comes to exploding the church, how, why he goes and he does, and how he actually goes and witnesses and becomes an evangelist to the, to the world. Um, here's what Paul writes. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. That implies that there's two groups of Jewish people, right? Anyway, so he's, he becomes like them. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles or the Greeks who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I could bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. So whatever environment, whatever atmosphere, whatever context he finds himself in, he tries to find this bridge. He tries to find this opportunity to connect with these people that is culturally relevant to them so he can present Christ in a way that they understand, that is based on their context. That's huge for the church to understand. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessing. Listen, when it comes to churches, there's no uh, more kind of powerful passage that we need to understand when it comes to reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is Paul's modus operandi. Let me go on. Um, Here's his motivation. Don't you realize that in a race, everybody runs, 
But only one person gets the prize. I love this. So run to win. I've never once imagined that Paul was a loser. I never imagined Paul was good at losing. He was an intense individual, incredibly zealous, and he did everything possible to make sure he won for the sake of the gospel. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Wow. He is an intense guy but he's focused he has a purpose he has an intent and he wants to see the glory of christ and the gospel of jesus christ impact every person possible like can you can you imagine um that there's probably for the church no better purpose or 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 motivation or or way of operating than to take this to heart right Okay, so we, we've, kind of, we've kind of piggybacked on this whole thing, so run to win. And what we've done as a, as a leadership, what we've done as a staff, we, as, as you know, we've done with elders, we, we've said this, what's, what's, what's the purpose of Sunday morning? Okay, like when we come together, you know, the worship team gets together and, and the ushers get together, Kids Connection, what, what is it that's going to be the win for us? All right? Now, most of you, most of you, granted, are thinking right away theologically. The win for us is, is, is what the creed says to bring glory to God. Okay? And, and that's fair. That's, 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 a, that's a good, uh, good uh, thing. Um, but we wanted to go a little step further. And we wanted to make it simple. We wanted to make it powerful. We wanted it to raise the level of what we expect on a Sunday morning when it comes to all of this. So here's the simple win that we have come up with as a church. What's the win on a Sunday morning? That people will want to come back. That people will want to come back. Now, some of you are thinking theologically. We're a church and, and I'll deal with that in a moment. Some of you are thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm on the worship team. This is all about leading people into the presence of God. Absolutely. That's good. Those of you in Kids Connection are probably thinking, you know what? I, it's all about teaching the kids the love of Jesus. And you know what? You're absolutely right. But we're asking you to think just a step further. We're asking you not to stop at the obvious to go just a step further. That we want people, that we would, we would give such an experience, that we would give people such a hope, that we would give the kids such an interaction, that they're not just going to want to come and go. That they're going to be left with something to say, you know what, I may not have agreed with everything, 
You know, what does that mean? You know, it's very easy for me to say, all I have to do is get up here and teach the Bible. It's very easy for me to say that. I don't, I, but, you know, frankly, everybody does have to agree with me. But I want to be so compelling that they say, you know what? Something's happening there. We need to go back. It'd be nice to go back. You see, when people come back, we have an opportunity to build into their lives. We have an opportunity to help them grow deeper in their faith in Jesus Christ. If it's just a one in and a one out, if it's just, you know, the same routine over and over, all that kind of stuff, it's, it's, it's just, you know, we don't want just routine for the sake of routine. And we don't want people just coming in and going because it wasn't enough. Okay? Even for ushers, greeters, like this, this, this causes you to see people in a different way. It's very simple, but it's very powerful. Very simple, and it's very powerful. Here's, here's let, let's expand on that a little bit. People experience church in two different ways. And this is, this is the reality of our culture. People attend church in two different ways. The first one is this. Physically, with an on-site community. We're, we're meeting physically as a church right now. This is, this is the physical church. This is the way people attend church as they show up on a Sunday morning and all of that stuff. Um, the reality is um, church plant, if you know anything about people who are planting new churches, gone are the days where you go rent an auditorium, put a sign out, and expect people to come and show up. There's all these uh, new kinds of communities starting up. You know, the colleges and seminaries are teaching new ways of planting churches because the old way of planting the church really doesn't work any longer because people are not geared that way. In fact, if you, if you look culturally, Sunday's probably the worst morning to reach out to non-believers. Okay, that got nowhere. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's, that's the reality of, of the world that we live in, okay? So here's, here's, here's the deal. Physically with an on-site community, we long for people to come and be part of the church, right? We want to make it so attractional that people are going to want to come back. Here's the second way in the culture that we live in that people attend church. Virtually, with an online community. We hate this, don't we? Right? We hate this. The reality is, more and more people are going online to get spiritually fed. Now, I'm a, I'm a big believer that the future of the church depends on how well we do this. I'm not saying that we don't do the on-site stuff. I think as a church, as we meet physically, as we, as we do our ministries here in a physical space, we have to do that with excellence. We have to do that with the very best that we can. But we live in a culture that the online community is becoming more and more and more important. And here's the other thing. I'm not talking, I'm not talking about just putting sermons out there and putting them online. I am talking about devising an online community that builds community wherever people are. Could you imagine if, if in other parts of Canada we had life groups that were doing sermon-based life groups and were meeting every week because of what was happening here at Village Green? Imagine. Imagine if they were giving to the church 
because this is where they got. And, and you know, it's a little bit like, you know, I've, I've used this in a blog before. It's like Hillsong. Have you ever met a Hillsong junkie? No? Okay. Nobody wants to admit it. Okay. Fine, 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 fine. Every Hillsong junkie I ever met loves the music and all this stuff, and they go, I wish I could go to Australia and experience it for myself. Right? Come on, come on now, come on now. I'd love to go to one of their concerts, right? Isn't that what a Hillsong junkie does? Right? That's what a Hillsong junkie... It's like cocaine and spiritual music, you know? Um, that's, that's, that's what a Hillsong junkie... Junkie, junkie, that's, that's the reality. I've, I've, I've never met a Hillsong. I wish I could go to Australia and experience it, you know, firsthand. That's, that's the truth. Wouldn't you love to build an online community that is so potent that people would say, if I could go to that church, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be the... Can we just reach a little further? Can we do that as a church? Can we just reach a little further? Please? Don't make me big. <laughs> we can do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, now, for those of you that maybe, Bob, this is just too simplistic and all that kind of stuff, you know, I'm asking you to reach further. I'm asking you to reach further. It's okay to say, oh, my, my role on the worship team is, is just to bring people into the presence of God. Wouldn't you like to see those people be so touched by what you do, they want to come back? Isn't that the additional step? that we're talking about, okay? Let's not be just so short-sighted. Let's, let's push this thing, all right? I, and I want to, we've talked about our bridge statement, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat the bridge statement as we close out this morning, you know, because this is really important. For those of you that are saying, oh, listen, um, you know, the win could look like anything. You, you could put a dog and pony show up here and track people, in a, and that's not, that's not what we're talking about, okay? The bridge statement is really important because it focuses our energies. It's kind of like our operational statement. It's, it's like our code of how we do things around here. So the bridge is very important. The, the, the staff really, really aligns themselves with this uh, as much as possible. And our bridge statement is this. Number one, we're biblical, not interested in just becoming a social club. Not interested in, in, in just, you know, psychology for psychology. We're talking about biblical, rooted in, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we proclaim the gospel. That when we, you know, um, I think it's Andy Stanley says that, you know, every part of the service should be welcoming. The only offensive part should be the person who's speaking the message. Because the gospel is offensive to people. That's the only offensive part that a, that a church service should ever um, demonstrate. So we want to be biblical in every way that we can. That's what grounds us. That's what holds us together. That's what makes us a church. We're a biblical community. Secondly, real. You know, you hear authentic. You hear relevant. But the thing is, I don't want somebody going to the website going, oh, look at, and then come here and go, boy, was that a... You know, was that a bait and switch? Nothing worse than a bait and switch, right? A real, authentic uh, community. And, and there's, one thing, there's one thing I hear from people time and time and time and time again. They love the people here at Village Green. The people are our greatest asset. They're real. We're real, all right? Okay, I'm finishing up, all right? Uh, inspirational, inspiring. I don't want to be boring. 
I'm sorry. Boring gets us nowhere. Boring. And again, I'm not going to dance. I'm not going to, you know, and all that kind of stuff. You know, we're going to try and make it. But want to inspire people. You know, like, honestly, six days a week is enough of life to drag a person down. Can we lift people up one day of the week and say, you know, can we? And inspire them and motivate them and move them and just say, you know, God loves you and, and it's okay. If God brought you to it, God's going to take you through it. All right? Let's, let's, let's be that hope. Let's be that energy for people. Let's, you know, inspire them. You know, here's the other thing, dynamic, you know. Um, I, I'm a big believer in this. The longer you stay in a particular mode, the, the harder the cement gets. And there are just some things that the church over time needs to get rid of, I'm sorry, that we're constantly evaluating, constantly changing, constantly being dynamic. Hopefully it's not the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, that, that, that we are dynamic. We, we, you know, we, we do our analytics. We do our, you know, our honest, you know, the staff meets every week, and we honestly uh, go through, you know, how does Sunday, where do we make the mistakes? Where could we do better? How are we going to improve all that kind of stuff. So we want to be dynamic. Here's a, here's a biggie, grace-filled. We want to be grace-filled. Right? I'm not interested in having arguments with people. Arguments are just that, arguments. Hurt feelings, all that kind of stuff. I know we have a theological basis and all that kind of stuff. But let me tell you, truth and grace are coupled together. I don't want to be known for the things that the church is against. I'd rather be known as a church that is grace-filled, that the gospel of Jesus Christ goes out, and people receive true hope, true, you know, true salvation for the sins that Jesus died for. That Jesus died for. Okay, the last thing is excellent. Okay, this will scare you. But I'm sorry, we, we need to do our best all the time because we're doing it for God. And I'm not talking about show, I'm not talking about putting, you know, I'm, I'm talking that who we are as a church, that we are going to do the best we possibly can. All right? Okay. Um, I'm out of time, but let me close with this one picture. Were you intrigued with that picture? Kind of a cool picture, eh? Isn't that an awesome picture? You probably wonder why I even put it up there. That's the next edition. Yes. That's, that's our new baptismal pool. <laughs> that is actually an architect's rendering of a, of a housing complex that's going into London, England. Going to be done next year. That pool joins both buildings together and is 10 stories high above the ground. 10 stories high. It's actual glass, and they're building the complex right now in, in the south of London. Now, why, why would I show you that? Why, why would that have any? Here, here's. here's it's, it's dynamic. It's inspiring. It's not boring. It's not boring. Yeah. It's excellent. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Here's the deal. How many housing complexes have a pool? 
lots. I'm going to build a building. I'm going to put a pool in it. Boring, same old place in the basement. Right? Here. <laughs> Don't be laughing at me. Um, here's architects that came along and said, wait a minute. What can we do that's a little bit out of the box? Of all the complexes in the world that are being built, why is this one getting all the news in the architectural magazines because of where they put the pool? This is what I'm appealing to. Can we take it a little bit out of the box as a church for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we can win people to him and we can see people coming back, and we can generate from this year a sense of community that is growing and is vibrant because we thought a little bit out of the box. Can we do that? Are you with me? All right, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. You want to go home, I can tell. Okay, that's the deal. Let's, Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have as a church to investigate and to analyze and to think about what lies ahead for us. Lord, thank you for each one that is here. And we pray that as we look forward to the year that lies ahead, that you indeed would bless us, that you indeed would continue to grow us, that you would inspire us and give us a way of understanding the world that we live in so that we can make deeper inroads and deeper impact into people's lives for the sake of the gospel so that they can be redeemed and that they can have the hope of an eternity with you because they met Jesus here. So, Lord, thank you. We pray that you would bless each one, inspire our hearts, knit our hearts together so that we can do your work and see your name glorified in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.